Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of SMB Tech Talk. Today, we're going to talk about an issue and a concern that is top of mind for everyone, and that's security. What we're going to talk about today is how you build your organization's trusted supply chain from silicon up. I am very excited and very pleased to have Derek Brink, VP and Research Fellow at Aberdeen. Welcome, Derek. Right, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, and, and, and hi to everyone listening as well. Great. Today, we're talking about cybersecurity in the supply chain. Just how big of a concern is this, Derek? Well, one perspective is we, meaning, meaning Aberdeen, we did a study of chief supply chain officers on this topic, and the business impact of security-related issues was high on the list. It wasn't quite as high as some other things that everybody knows about the pandemic and associated reduction in customer demand and product recalls, but it was ranked only behind those things. And in the last year, 82% of the chief supply chain officers in our study said that security-related issues had caused operational disruption, which is obviously a concern. And 72% said that security-related issues had resulted in loss of revenue. So one thing to be disrupted, it's another thing to actually lose money. So I guess the point is we've got a modern, often digitally enabled supply chain now. And so decision makers need to think about not only the traditional security capabilities, which is like traditional IT for trusting users when they log in, for example. But we also need to think about other capabilities to ensure the security and the integrity of, of other things. Starting users maybe at the top of the stack, but we've got processes and software all the way down to platforms, meaning hardware and OS and systems at the bottom. So that's what we mean in that title, I think, that you gave everyone, that building the trusted supply chain really starts from the silicon up. Security is a, a term that's used broadly. So if you can maybe help us understand a little bit better, what kind of security-related issues are we talking about here? Yeah, we could make this probably super complicated, but I think traditionally people in security talk about at a high level, the kind of time-honored pillars for any discussion about this, referred to as the CIA triad. No, not the Central Intelligence Agency. We all know that, but it stands for confidentiality and integrity and availability. So confidentiality just refers to systems and applications and data being accessible only to authorized users or other systems. Sometimes people say privacy, but that's the C in CIA. Integrity means that uh, the systems, apps, and data are not changed, except for intentional changes that have been authorized. So users and systems are authorized to make changes. Otherwise, it, it does not have integrity. And the A stands for availability. So that means that our systems, apps, and data are accessible when they're needed to the authorized users or systems. So there's a lot of technical details about specific vulnerabilities and exploits and the threat actors, those change on any given day. But at a high level, this CIA triad is a really helpful way to think about security. Yeah, no, that's great. Very sort of simple way and easy to remember. The consequences that you mentioned, you know, operational disruptions and loss of revenue, you know, that kind of thing gets the attention of senior business leaders. No one wants to be in that position, yet we hear a lot about this. So can you share some examples that you've seen? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's been a lot of high-profile examples in the news, and some go back a ways, and some are quite recent, actually. So examples going back even eight, nine years ago now. In retail, where attackers gained access to servers with credentials that they, they stole from a vendor in the supply chain. And so one famous example goes back to 2013, I think, had something like 40 million payment cards and 70 million customer records compromised. And not long after that, another retail example, same kind of idea. User credentials were stolen from a vendor. 
And in that case, they installed malware on point of sale systems. And that example, around 50 million payment cards were compromised. So those are examples in the trusted user category, I guess you could say. More recently, there's been examples in the, I'm calling it trusted processes, but these are attackers are injecting code into commercial solutions. There's a couple of examples of their remote infrastructure monitoring and management solutions. And so if I have that solution, I expect traffic to come in. I allow it into my systems because I have remote monitoring and management software. Well, when the attackers inject malicious code, they get access. To, in one case, something like 18,000 customers were at risk from unauthorized access because of the commercial application being compromised. Another one, similar uh, category, I think it was more in the category of uh, managed service providers. So I think there are something more than 70 MSPs that were affected and up to 1,500 of their subscribers. There's another example not that long ago of a file sharing application very widely used, and that exposed the private data of hundreds of millions of their customers and millions of individual users. So that's just a, an example of these uh, trusted ways in that we allow. And yet if those can be compromised, it's kind of got a multiplier effect. The bad guys can affect not just one company, but potentially hundreds. And then lastly, I'll give an example of uh, trusted software. Some of these are the most recent headlines, but there's open source software and sometimes there are unpatched vulnerabilities and those can be exploited. And one famous case, there was a, you know, 143 million people that had their personal financial data compromised. And even more recently, the open source login utility and it's just embedded in countless applications, really untold thousands of organizations. And that vulnerability being exploited allowed remote execution of code and attackers could potentially install malware and take control and steal data. So there's just some examples in the headlines. It's interesting how you categorized it into trusted user, trusted processes, trusted software. What should our listeners know about trusted platforms and the idea of building trust from the silicon up? Right, exactly. That's an excellent question. We are kind of working our way down to the foundation, right, which is the hardware. So just one quick point, I guess, from our research at, at Aberdeen to put that in, in context. We did a study recently of over 300 organizations about IT modernization. And with respect to the hardware servers in particular, we found that pretty high percentage, about three out of five, were planning to refresh servers within the next two years. And a typical server refresh cycle is every four years. The second biggest driver for making investments and modernizing was managing security-related risks, second only to remaining competitive, which is, I guess, obvious. That's why companies are in business. But second to that is managing these security-related risks. So that, that's really the key point for today's discussion, I think, is that if you're going to have a server refresh, which again happens about once every four years, and 60% of companies in our study, we're going to do it within the next two years. That's just a perfect opportunity to think about these things and plan for the security integrity of the servers at the hardware level. That's the very foundation of the trusted supply chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, interesting perspective. Yeah, if you're planning to refresh, that's your time to really think about security. So can you expand a bit on what it means to plan for security and the integrity of your servers? Yeah, for people listening, I think there's a couple of key questions just to think about and consider. And so the first one, let's take them one at a time. The first one is the question, are your servers protected from unauthorized changes during everyday boot up and updates and, and execution? That's just a day-to-day -day activity. That's integrity too, right? The unauthorized change is what we talked about before in the CIA. That's the integrity part. So here's another example of that. I would say it's fair to say it's 
till recently, there wasn't a ton of mainstream attention given to safeguarding integrity of servers during boot up and updates and so on. But around 2018, there was disclosure of uh, some very high profile attacks on platform vulnerabilities that kind of exist below their operating system. Basically said that virtually every computer chip deployed over the previous 20 years had these particular vulnerabilities. And if exploited, that could expose personal data or passwords from kernel level memory pretty high likelihood of a successful exploit. So those things in the headlines kind of brought attention to this issue. And we're here with HPE and leading solution providers like HPE are putting advanced capabilities into the platforms from the silicon up to reduce the likelihood of these kind of integrity-related compromises throughout the natural life cycle, protecting the integrity of servers uh, like the BIOS and the firmware, credentials, encryption keys, even the physical hardware, detecting unauthorized, unapproved changes or cyber attacks. And then if you detect them, you want to get back to the normal state, the known good state. So recovering back to that state. And there's also end of life to think about when servers come to their life, you know, refresh means that someday those are going to be retired and replaced with the newer refreshed version. You got to repurpose or retire those servers. So you need to permanently erase the data and reset the security attributes and so on. So those are some examples of uh, the advanced capabilities. If you're thinking about a refresh, you might want to look for those. And so what else is there to consider when we're looking at security and integrity of servers? Are your servers protected from unauthorized changes from the time they're manufactured to the time that they become an integral part of your organization's infrastructure, part of your supply chain? So there are examples of this too. A couple of years back, around 2019, I guess it was, there's a perceived risk of espionage and potential sabotage to communications and critical infrastructure and digital economy. And this is a kind of government level thing where multiple governments around the world ban the use of certain telecommunications chips from sources outside the U.S. Today, if you want to protect against these things, there are leading solution providers like HPE that offer specialized services that just ensure that domestic sourcing and domestic manufacturing and domestic uh, provenance, that's the fancy word for a chain of custody, I guess you could say, So the servers are built in-country, they're built by vetted employees, they're built in highly secure facilities, and that just includes all of the advanced capabilities that we talked about before. So it's a secure sourcing and provenance uh, option too. So that's another thing to think about. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Learned a ton today. Well, thank you, Nabila. Thanks for having me. Really a pleasure to be here. Unfortunately, this brings us to the end of our time that we have for today's discussion. Wanted to thank our listeners. Definitely invite you to learn more about how HPE is putting security top of mind. Learn more about our trusted supply chain initiative and other offerings such as server security optimization, which can really help your organization build that trusted supply chain from the silicon up. Please visit us on hpe.com to learn more. This is Nabila Kavadia, Senior Director of Global Product Marketing, Core Compute and SMB. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you.